0: Personal safety, it's more than just keeping them safe from armed robberies or criminal activity. you got to think about back injury prevention, general liability claims, property claims. We want to keep the company safe, and it goes back again to people. They don't feel safe coming to work. You have nothing.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Front Desk. I'm Brad Day, and I'm joined by my colleague, Joe Frary. This episode is brought to you by the Little Green Button, the original on-screen panic button software designed to keep staff safe. Today, our guest is Alan Sakella, Corporate Security Executive and Professor College of Business, Security and Intelligence at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University.
2: Alan, many thanks for joining us today.
0: Uh, Brad and Joe, thank you so much for having me on. It's my pleasure.
2: Thanks, Alan. Uh, To give our audience some background on yourself, can you tell us about your comprehensive career in security and how today you found yourself in a role as a professor?
0: Oh, certainly love to. You know, when I was back in college, uh, like so many other students, uh, I was actually going during a recession and didn't know exactly what I was going to do. Uh, so along the way, I, I took on some security type roles in a retail setting. And in that capacity, I was a store detective. That was back before uh, CCTV was very good. Got some exposure to dealing with shoplifting and credit card fraud and those types of things. And and that's how I got certainly interested in the field, although my uh, degrees are in law enforcement. So I knew that was the path I was going to go. So stayed in college uh, as a graduate student because there was no jobs out there and during that time i was uh, able to teach college uh, that was one of the requirements as a graduate student so i taught a, an entry level police science class thought wow this is pretty cool i like doing this but i don't know anything about it you know it was all based on textbook knowledge and really only what i could grab for uh, for the course what came from textbooks and whatever was designed by the professor. I knew I'd want to get back into that sometime in the future, but I, I wanted to have a career first. So I went into law enforcement, then I was uh, able to move into a polygraph position. The polygraph examiner was retiring and, and he said, "Hey, Sequela, you should think about going to polygraph school and take my position, which I did. And then ultimately, uh, I was doing some polygraphs on the side commercially. And I solved a case for a a company based out of Los Angeles where they lost a bank deposit. And they thought I was a hero. I was just doing my job. And of course, they offered me a job, doubled my income, and I moved to Los Angeles. And fast forward, I took several positions around the country in the uh, corporate investigations and security arena. Three major corporations landed my last position at Cox Communications as a director of security investigations. I did that for 16 years. And then the opportunity came to come back into teaching, and I took it. Now I'm teaching full-time. I'm actually preparing the next generation of security and crime fighters and intelligence analysts, and it's exciting. It's exciting to use the textbook plus the experience that I gained throughout my career and passing it on. These are our future protectors, and I'm excited to share with them.
1: Alan, that's super, really comprehensive career. It's amazing how you've come up from... Yeah, where you started as security guard to to where you are now, sort of teaching and, like you say, passing that knowledge on. I see that's that's gone gone further. It's still, yeah. I see you've been asked to speak at the upcoming Security Five Hundred Conference. It it looks like a a really fantastic event. We're we're a bit gutted not to be there actually. What is it that you're most excited to, to be speaking about at the conference?
0: Well, there's a, a topic's already been selected. So we're talking about taking security from a cost center to beyond that. You know, one of the things I realized early on, when you're in the, the public sector, you're not too concerned about budget. You're spending taxpayers' dollars. Yeah, it's difficult to get money, but when you're in the corporate sector, there's a thing called return on investment. You know, you're always a conscience of the fiscal responsibility that you have to the company and the shareholders. So throughout my career, I've always kept a tight budget. But beyond that, managing a budget is one thing. But beyond that, how do you show value? In the corporate security arena, you have to do more than just spend your budget. You have to give something back. I learned it early on, and we're going to be talking about that at the conference. There'll be some other professionals on the panel. We're all going to be sharing our best practices for creating value beyond just spending money. And I think what prompted it is I wrote a a two-series article on that topic, which was published in Security Magazine, and then the chief uh, editor asked if I'd be willing to speak on that topic, and she arranged to put the panel together for that. So I'm excited to actually be talking with other professionals, getting their ideas on how uh, they add value to their corporations by uh, doing other things. And, you know, certainly I have my experiences based predominantly in the telecommunications industry. So it's going to be a great time. I look forward to learning from the other professionals out there. I'm, I'm a learner. It's one of the things I never stop. When I stop learning, it's time to retire. So I'm excited to talk about and share with the others how to make their security function less cost, more profitable.
2: That's really exciting to hear. We were wondering how efficient do you think those organizations are at recognizing new technologies for example adapting to these modern ways of working and implementing these initiatives
0: some companies are better than others you know some industries are better than others and if you look at the security arena there's at least in the united states we have uh, what we call regulated organizations we have critical infrastructure organizations and those particular industries government contractors tend to have larger budgets, and that's because they have very important things to protect. You know, critical infrastructure is important. Government contractors, such as a company that's making uh, aerospace, rockets, airplanes, what have you, for the government, they have to have better security systems. So if those particular companies have an advantage, and they are able to embrace new technology uh, to continually improve their physical security posture, as well as their InfoSec security posture, because it's required. And the other side, the non regulated, non government sector, uh, they have to be a little bit more creative. And, and that's where I, uh, I spent a lot of my research and time looking for ways to improve the security cost structure and, and bring it from a cost structure to more of a profit side. And we'll be actually talking about that at, at the panel in DC. I think most companies are open, most security directors and professionals are open to trying new things and to embracing technology, but it's a way you have to sell it to your chief financial officer. Again, there's costs, you have to have a return on investment. And even at the company I was at, they said, "You need to give me a 5 to 1. If I give you $100,000, I need 500,000 back." And so you have to be creative and you have to find ways to actually show that value. But I think technology is uh, certainly helping this industry. I see a lot of great things coming from it. And I'm sure you're going to be asking me more about that in this, this interview.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly that, Alan. It's just you are talking there about the cost of security, seeing that return uh, from that investment that you're given by, by your organizations. I would imagine the companies that, that give the best returns for that are the companies that are adapting or, or adopting new technologies that must have evolved massively over sort of the time you've been working in the field you know, new digital software solutions have sort of been developed I can imagine when you go about trying to find these new solutions trying to find this new technology how do you see companies succeed here because there's so much information out there. It, it, it can be a minefield.
0: No, it really is. And so I, the way I was able to do it is I, I really relied and leveraged my contractors, my integrator. On the physical security side, I was always looking for prototypes. Can you tell me about this? Can you give me something to test over here? And so on the physical security side, I was always looking for something that was better. You know, so when we talk about video analytics and, uh, and also uh, PISMs, which are physical security system management programs, and then linking your access control to your CCTV, I always wanted to see what else was out there that could make our businesses more safe. You know, number one is the employee safety. you got to keep them safe. Once you've done that, then we can start working on the premise, the information, and also protecting the, the reputation and the brand of the company. But it starts with your people. They don't feel safe coming to work. You have nothing. So for me, it's reaching out to the vendors. It's reaching out to the uh, the integrators. And asking them and challenging them, tell me what's out there that can improve this. I'm not going to sit status quo waiting for something else to come out. You have to physically look. You have to get out there. And that's just on physical security side. There's other areas that also have to be improved. And so in the United States, there's a lot of change going on legislatively with background checks. Uh, they have this thing called ban the box where we can't ask on the application of a person that's been convicted of a crime. You can only ask that once an offer is made. Even the hiring aspects is becoming challenging for companies. So what's out there? How can we hire people that fit the behaviors? And again, we don't want anybody that has problems. Even if they don't have a criminal background, uh, they might have the behaviors that could be very disruptive to an organization. Interestingly enough, white collar criminals, most of them don't have criminal backgrounds. So even doing a background check is not going to help you there. So you need to look at ways from that side, from a security technology enhancement, what's out there. And there is some good stuff out there for pre-employment screening, and it's evolving. My day was in polygraph. We did a lot of interviews for police candidates and et cetera, but today they have wonderful uh, software that can help screen out folks through uh, clicking on a link and taking them through a questionnaire with uh, video analytics and and also algorithms, machine learning, uh, basically doing all the things I would have to do as a polygraph examiner, but in a way that's not very uh, offensive and it's not as time-consuming, costly, and it, uh, the return's huge. So going back it's a long-winded answer you have to be out there you have to be open you have to look and of course if you find stuff test it you know it, it reminds me of a drone that i tested just before i left cox it was a drone that we used to deploy whenever we had a fence breach along the perimeter we would dispatch it it had talk down capability which means we could actually have a conversation with the intruder hey sir hop back over the fence, leave. And so it was a, it was a great, It was, as we're videotaping and having a conversation with them. So a great technology. I've always loved technology. You have to have that mindset. Don't be afraid to test it, you know, pilot it. And if it works, now you got to sell it to your chief financial officer. And, I, of course, I was pretty good at that. I learned that over, over time that uh, if I give them a return, five to one, they're going to sign off on it. <laughs> why wouldn't they hey why
2: wouldn't they absolutely fascinating um alan it kind of answers one of the questions i was going to ask about how how technology is kind of continually played a role for you as a security specialist um and he touched on there the health and safety policies and, and employee safety and they sort of go hand in hand i feel that they evolve together the technology available and health and safety uh policies the kind of they sort of limit each other in a way so my next question would really be what would you recommend to the companies who are looking at implementing a new technology to enhance their protocols where do they look first and what do you see as the most as the biggest priority, and go walking into a company as a security specialist, what do you need to nail down first?
0: Well, I think even before you can nail anything down, you got to find out what the uh, current issues are. In other words, what's challenging that organization today? And then also, how does that compare to the industry? A lot of times we work in silos. If I work in telecom, I want to know what the other telecoms are doing. What's their biggest challenges that they're facing? And what are some of the solutions they've deployed that made them successful or not? As I think back to companies that uh, have not been successful, even on the Uh, Non-security areas such as Blockbuster Video, IBM, many retailers. Even think about BlackBerry. I I used to love using a BlackBerry. I was so disappointed when iPhone went on and and knocked BlackBerry off. They just didn't keep (laughs) up, you know. And that in MySpace. Look at MySpace. You probably don't remember that MySpace came before Facebook. And look at them; they're gone. And and that goes for technology as well. You have to look at what are the pain points at the corporation. Uh, what also is, is looming from a legislative standpoint? What's going to be out there that's going to cause you and force you to change? Because if you think about personal safety, it's more than just keeping them safe from armed robberies or criminal activity. you got to think about back injury prevention, general liability claims, property claims. We want to keep the company safe, and it goes back again to people. You have to uh, make sure that you're, re- you're removing the risks and hazards that can cause unsafe conditions. So from a criminal standpoint, obviously, if you're in a customer facing business, you need to assess the risk and then decide what are the tools you need to keep your people safe in the public. You know, like a retail setting, it may be good security, physical security, and you know, also um, a direct line to communications, panic buttons, et cetera, that uh, you want to make sure that you're, you're utilizing and deploying. But it also goes back to the culture of the company. Some companies don't like the overreaching arm of security, Big Brother's watching us. So you have to understand the culture. You have to understand the pain points. You have to understand the legislation, what's coming on that may restrict uh, what you're able to do. And then as a comparison, you need to look at what your peer companies are doing in that space. You know, those are the things that I did. Because as you start down a path and you don't do that research, uh, you might be uh, stopped quick in your tracks and and you just you don't want that to happen.
1: It must be um, quite challenging. I think yeah from from an outsider's perspective looking in, yeah you know, security is so broad. Uh, it encompasses so many different aspects. We're talking, you know, that that hiring process, making sure you're not getting some, some bad eggs into your organization. Security also t- talks about yeah, you know, drones protecting areas. It talks about panic alarms, it talks about CCTV fire alarms, your health and safety policies it's so broad and I find often when we're trying to educate on security, it's quite hard to pinpoint a topic because there's so much to cover. Yet you must see as like an educator in security, different people will have different perceptions on what security really means. What's your thoughts on that? If if, if you are educating, yeah, you know, what are people's perceptions of what security means?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good point because here at the university we have uh, cyber intelligence and then we have, of course, the physical security track, and then also the intelligence track. and And so, really, what I tell my students, security starts at the front door. Before you even bring any contractor or an employee into the company, it starts, like I said, with that pre employment screening. You want to make sure you bring in the right people. So, the personnel side of it, the HR side of it, you have to bring in the right folks. And a lot of companies are resistant to change when it comes to their standards on background investigations. We've relied too heavily on checking the backgrounds from a criminal perspective. They haven't embraced new technology. And that's going to come back to haunt them later, as we have seen also in many cases where. Like I said, with white collar criminals, they don't have a background, but there is ways to screen them. So you got to start there. So you have the infosec side, right? You don't know, have cyber, you have the physical security side. Uh, so you're thinking about the buildings. So security is all encompassing. You know, when, when you think about a business, and and it overlaps with safety. You know, so safety is so critical because you have uh, issues there uh, that cross over to both sides. And then it also bleeds into insurance and risk management. So you have to have a collaborative approach. And one of the things I found most successful when I worked in in the corporate world was we had a team and we would meet every two weeks. It involved safety, involved uh, security, involved InfoSec, and it also involved members in the Human Resource Department. We talked about what is security, what what are our targets, what are some of the low-hanging fruit. And then we were addressing the issues as they came up to respond and react. Then look for after, you know, some of the process investigation would be what broke? How can we prevent this in the future? If we can't prevent it, how do we mitigate it? And it was a collaborative approach. It does take a team. As a security practitioner, you don't know it all. I I realized that pretty soon I needed to bring others into the circle. And I think if you work together as a team, uh, everyone understands it. Now, Fifteen years ago, it was InfoSec and it was physical security and we didn't like each other. We didn't talk a lot. We realized. We <laughs> can do a, yeah, right. We realized we can do a bunch more and a much better job by working collaboratively. So it uh, it really did work. Uh, and as I'm educating students today, I'm having them break down those those silos and understand that security is overreaching and uh, one big circle involving all those aspects. And you do need to know a little bit about each, even if you specialize in one area or another. Right? If you're in, if you're in the HR side for let's say recruiting and pre-employment screening, you need to understand a little bit about physical security as well as infosec. We all have to. Uh, work together
1: never a truer word said i can't disagree with with anything that that you've just said we experience it from outside as well when we're talking to organizations often there's that barrier between the decision maker the person holding the purse strings the people who are maybe implementing and living by these sort of new security or safety initiatives quite often as well yeah we find that people reach out to to us after an incident's happened, you know, there, something's happened, an incident's occurred and off the back of that, they, they they need to put a solution in place. I understand how that happens. I understand you can't prepare or you, you, you could try to prepare for every circumstance, but it, it's nigh on impossible. Some of the work that we're doing is trying to educate organisations to have some of these safety measures in place before an incident happens, before that uh, scenario got out of hand. And that's certainly a message which we find really challenging and often lands on deaf ears what would be your advice to to organizations when they may be looking at their uh, safety protocols or their security protocols yeah to almost identify those gaps
0: before an incident happens
1: oh, that's a very
0: good question if you think about security a lot of times your budget increases after a major event right think about september 11th Uh, We had a presidential order that came down, directive, which basically uh, mandated that all 18 critical infrastructures had to step up their security. So security improves after a problem. But we don't want to wait for a problem because we're reactive. Security really is is supposed to be prevention whereas law enforcement in many cases is reactive. So one of the things that I do and I recommend a class that I teach is business continuity planning. And business continuity is planning in advance of those situations. So as you are building your plan, which uh, involves security and safety, and also InfoSec, you have to uh, do your hazard assessments, your risk assessments, and you're taking historical data, you're taking data from your uh, incident reports, you're taking data that's provided by the government, and then you're going to assess a risk uh, number to that. And, you know, once you, and there's actually uh, great documents and uh, Excel spreadsheets It does a lot of that for you. And you go through and you and you uh, assess the risk. And, and based on what scores you come out in the different categories, whether it be from environmental issues and risks to risks caused by humans, right, like uh, everything from simple uh, safety issues to potential criminal activity, all that data is going to help you prepare your plan, your security plan. And also, because you're quantifying it, it's gonna help you sell your program to get the funding that you need. So you have to uh, do that. There's data out there to get the crime data, get the uh, other data from the federal agencies and local agencies that can provide historical data on crime as well as climate issues, any type of potential threats to that particular geographic uh, area. So if you, were, if you live in an area that's tornado prone, your safety protocols and your risk is higher, so you're going to have to have different plans than you might have in the middle of the desert in Phoenix, Arizona. Your problem there is going to be heat, dust storms, and flash flooding, potentially power outages. But uh, other than that, uh, from an environmental standpoint, that would be it. From a criminal standpoint, of course, you'd use other data that helps you determine your risk level. And then with all that, it comes together, and it's it's something that you can use Uh, to to sell your program. Thank you for that, Alan. So essentially
2: what the advice would be is to use existing data and follow trends.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, trends are very important. So you want to look at the trends. One of the things... Depending on the industry, Aaron, I mean, you want to, again, get that information from your peer companies. What are they experiencing? So if you're a public facing company, let's say a retail outlet, a small retail outlet, they're going to have similar problems that you're going to have. So a lot of these companies will share security departments do share information because it's all about protection. They're not going to share their marketing plans or any confidential information, but they will share. So you have to reach out and you got to look at those trends. And then based on the trends and all the other risk assessments you do or have, you should be able to. Come up with a good plan to sell your program and ask for capital and operating budgets to fund whatever you're trying to do.
2: It's uh, great info for our listeners. I know, as Brad was just saying, there are problems with identifying um, issues before they happen. That's sound advice for them, I'm sure. Uh, we've covered so, so many topics in this uh, in this short recording that we've that we've had together today, Alan. And, and, and thanks again for that. Just wanted to ask sort of one final question, really, is what is your favorite topic? What do you get most passionate about in the field of security? Is it experience based or um, something that has happened or is there something that you want to explore more in your education role?
0: You know, technology solves for a lot of things. I mean, certainly it can help. But, you know, technology is never going to replace humans. You know, there's always going to be a human element. So th- that part, if anything, keeps me up at night is keeping people safe. Uh, I'm always concerned about the safety. And so for me, uh, it, the, th- the things I like to explore further are ways uh, to keep our employees and our and visitors safe. And that goes to, like I said, starting at the front door and making sure we're bringing in the right people because there's been so many times in my career where a faulty background check resulted in hiring a criminal who killed either one of our employees or our customers. And unfortunately, in the corporate world, we do have homicides. You know, that's the worst thing you can do is, is have to go and talk to the employees, uh, uh, loved ones about something that went wrong and it cost their life, so you know I think everything has to be surrounded on, yes, yeah, securing the premise, but from a safety perspective and keeping people safe. So the thing I'm most passionate about again is let, making sure the people that we're bringing into an organization are. Um, the right people, you know, and, and that goes way back to my days of running polygraphs and and screening out undesirable candidates that have bad behaviors. and And fast forward today, using more of the technology from a, a pre employment behavioral assessment standpoint, because I I think if you can stop that, once you have your your organization, and you got the right people in place, it's a man, it's a just a matter of. Working together and collaboratively with the various departments to help build your program like we talked about Uh, So technology is there. Let's use it Let's work together because we're going to be reaching across the aisle With safety and InfoSec, we need to be one team. We need to be providing the best value for the chief executive officer. Of course, the chief financial officer is going to be keeping us in check because, as we know, when uh, economies uh, uh, suffer, as we are starting to go into a recession now, budgets are being looked at. And I can tell you, I have friends at my last company that are facing layoffs right now. And and so the, the best thing we can do is never rest. Always be aware that you need to be improving, constantly improving, looking for ways to improve your your security and your safety posture. Think about who you work for and uh, deliver. That's such
1: great advice and a really nice way to provide a great overview for the conversation that we've had so far. I can certainly hear that passion come through, Alan. Obviously, you've been doing this for for a while you've got all that experience i can still hear that passion in your voice now it must be so nice to be able to pass all that experience on now in that kind of e- education role that, that you've taken up we are kind of sadly coming up on on our time for, for the podcast it'd be great if there's anywhere that people can go to, to learn a little bit more about you, uh, about your research and the work you've done.
0: Yeah, well, absolutely. So I am um, very active on LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn, and all the articles and podcasts, interviews, all the things that I put out there, I put on on LinkedIn. So please track me down if you want to connect with me. I'm always looking to expand my network on LinkedIn with professionals, others in the field. Uh, go to my LinkedIn profile. So it's Alan. A L A N, last name is S A Q U E L L A. There's only one out there. It's a very uncommon last name. <laughs> <for you. laughs> I'll be real easy to find. So uh, certainly connect with me there. Look at, uh, feel free to read some of this stuff. Uh, the articles on uh, taking your security center from a cost uh, center to uh, cost neutral and beyond is out there, as well as uh, so many other things. I speak on white collar crime, pre employment screening, uh, pretty much the gamut. But uh it's all out there and it's uh easily attainable <laughs>
1: alan uh thanks thanks again we'll make sure that we uh put a link to your uh, linkedin profile to to anywhere where, where everywhere that we post the podcast i guess sadly that, that that is it from us i think that's that that's a wrap uh i really appreciate you spending time with us today it, it's been super having you here on the front desk thank thanks you. again thank you alan
0: absolutely i appreciate it brad and joe enjoyed it uh anytime great stuff